28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you this morning, um, please do turn back to Matthew chapter 28 uh, to these very familiar words, the um, familiar words of the Great Commission. Now, as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, are you a control freak? Are you a control freak? Now, some of you are giving me a little smile. I've seen a little nudge. Well, that's you. Um, I'm sure most of us are familiar with that term. Uh, it really refers to, to someone who, who just can't, can't let go and who always just needs to be in charge. And, and when, you know, there are things that happen in our lives that are out with our control, oh, it's a real strain and a real uh, struggle. Are you a control freak? I can see, by the way, some of you are looking at this morning uh, that we have some control freaks here uh, in this place. Now, at the beginning of this month, we begun our uh, uh, month of invitation, following on from our month of prayer. And really, why we had that month of prayer is we are concerned. We are concerned about the church here in West Kilbride. Uh, we are concerned uh, about the church in our nation. Uh, we are concerned uh, for the church uh, locally. Uh, we really want to see God move uh, in the church. Now this morning, what I want to think about is the Great Commission that we read from Matthew 28. It's a familiar passage to us all, I'm sure. Now during our month of prayer just past, we have been praying for ourselves and for the church to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. And during that month of prayer, we've also been praying for at least two people over this last month that they might have an encounter with Jesus. Now, the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that, that prayer is the most important thing that we can do. That's really what we looked at in October. Prayer is the most important thing that we can do. And that's why we had our month of prayer. But what I want to say to you today is that even though we've prayed, that isn't the end of our work. You see, after we've prayed, we're then called to do something. And that's what our month of invitation is about. You see, unlike some of us who are control freaks, I want to say to you this morning that God is not a control freak. That's quite a thought, isn't it? God is not a control freak. Now, that's a lot to ponder on over your Sunday lunch today. I want you to think about it. God is not a control freak. God is sovereign over all. He holds all things in his hands. We've just sung that in our children's song. But he's not a control freak. And we learn this throughout the Bible, don't we? And it might surprise us, but it's true. 
all the way through Scripture. And none more so do we see this than in the Great Commission. You see, we know, don't we, the story of the Gospel. We know the good news of the Gospel. We know that Jesus came into the world, the very Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. We know about his teaching and his life. We know that he ended up on the cross, paying the price for our sin, showing his obedience and love for the Father and his great love for us. We know the story of salvation, don't we? We also know that on the third day, he rose again in glory. And after he had risen, what happened? He spent time appearing to the disciples. Now, as Jesus had risen from the dead, the disciples are overjoyed, aren't they? Because they'd seen what had happened to Jesus, and they thought this was the end. They had great hopes for Jesus, and now they thought, well, this is the end. But then the stone was rolled away, and Jesus is alive, and they're overjoyed. And maybe they think when Jesus meets with them, and he meets with them a number of times, maybe they think, well, this is great. Well, Jesus' ministry is just going to continue over again. But it doesn't, does it? Because what does Jesus do? Jesus ascends to the Father. He ascends to the Father's right hand, leaving the disciples on earth. And before he goes, he tells the disciples to go to Galilee, to meet him there. And when he is in Galilee, Jesus gives these 11 disciples that are left, Judas is gone by this point, he gives them a commission, which we know as the Great Commission. And the commission is to go and make disciples of all nations. Now if you think about it, what an incredible commission that is. Because here is Jesus, and who is Jesus? He is the very Son of God, the one who has paid for our salvation. And here he is, and he's trusting this ragtag bunch of disciples to spread the word about him. That's quite something when you think about it, isn't it? Here is Jesus who was there right at the beginning of time, through whom all things were created. And now he's trusting these 11 disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, and saying, I'm trusting you to go and share the good news of the kingdom of God. That's astonishing, isn't it? And Matthew's very honest in his account. Did you notice that today? Even in familiar passages, there's always things that strike you. Because he says, even at this point, even after all the disciples had, had seen him do, and remember, these 11 were, were his closest disciples. Even after all this, some doubted. Some still doubted. And yet, Jesus trusts him to go. And to make disciples. And he instructs them to do so. Now the question for us this morning is. Well why would Jesus do this? Because God could do all the work. Couldn't he? The answer is yes to that question. God could do all the work. And he'd be so much more effective than these disciples. Wouldn't he? Yes he would. 
So much more effective. He would be so much more effective doing the work on earth now than I would or you would be. And I don't pretend to understand all this, but the fact is that God calls us to be part of his ministry. That's amazing. He doesn't have to work through us, but the unbelievable thing is he chooses. He chooses to do so. You see, I believe completely in the sovereignty of God. Over this last month when we've been going through our month of prayer, I hope you've realized that. You know, we trust in God. We can do nothing apart from God. I believe completely in the sovereignty of God. If he wants to work in someone's life and bring them to faith, he can do so. There's lots of examples of that in Scripture. One of the main ones, of course, is Paul. Remember Paul? Paul, who is a Jew, Jew of Jews, Hebrew of Hebrews. But what did he do? He spent time persecuting the church. He heard that something was going to be happening in Damascus. He went to go and imprison some Christians in Damascus. And when he's on the way there, it's not as if he met Billy Graham. It's not as if he met some evangelist. He didn't meet a Christian and who convinced him about God. What happened? He met with Jesus. It was God who intervened. Paul met with Jesus and, and Paul was converted. And God can do that. And he continues to do that. I know people who have been changed and brought to faith without anyone really sharing the gospel with them. I have a friend in the town where I was brought up and he got on really hard times and he got into a drug scene and he decided he was living in awful circumstances and he decided, I'm leaving Glasgow, I'm going down to London. And he had no money whatsoever. So he had to walk home to try and speak to his mum and dad. On his way home, he became a Christian. It was God. It wasn't anyone else. God is sovereign. God can do that. He continues to do that. But often... God chooses us to share the good news. Think of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, Ethiopian eunuch is looking at the, the book of Isaiah, can't understand it. And there's Philip. Philip's able to, to explain it to him. And once he's explained it to him, see how it refers to Jesus. What happens? The Ethiopian eunuch is baptized, he shares his faith. Think of the many times that Paul shares the gospel on his missionary journeys and people come to faith. So all I want you to see is that God chooses to use people. And that includes you and it includes me. And that's why though we've had our month of prayer, that isn't the end. That was just the, you know, the start. We need to continue to pray. Let's not stop praying. It's important we continue to pray. But we still need to act on our prayers. We still need to go and make disciples. We still need to go and ask people, invite people, speak to people about Jesus. We still need to, to live out our faith each day. Others might say there's something different about that person. What's different? Well, it's because they believe in Jesus. You see, Jesus called the first disciples. 
to go and make disciples of all nations. And we are called to continue that work. Now, that might seem daunting. I'm sure it seemed daunting to those first 11 disciples. Even though they'd had a a, a personal training course with Jesus for three years. That must have been an amazing degree, wouldn't it? Three years with Jesus, wonderful. But when Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, they must have thought, right, this is pretty scary. And they were scared. Remember, they, they were behind locked doors praying until the Holy Spirit came. And that's the point, isn't it? Because the assurance at the very end of Matthew's Gospel, at the very end of the reading that we have today, it finishes with a promise. Because Jesus, even though he's given the disciples a mighty task, he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to say to you today, that promise is for us too. You see, if you've been praying through the month of prayer and you've got your two names down and it might have been a family member or family members, it might have been friends, it might have been neighbors, and you might be thinking, God, I really... I really do want them to come to faith. I really do want them to come to put their trust in the Lord Jesus. But as you've been praying through, you realize in your own heart that you're a bit scared. You're a bit daunted. You're like, well, I'm not very good at sharing my faith. I'm not very good at inviting people. But this promise is for you this morning. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus won't desert us as we carry out this important task. He wants to be with us. He wants to help us. He wants to empower us. And if we know anything from the book of Acts, we know these 11 disciples started in fear and trepidation and then were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out proclaiming the gospel. So during these two months of prayer and invitation, let's not fall into two traps. The first trap is that we trust ourselves. That we think that the people coming to faith or coming to to churches is wholly due to us. The whole reason that we've committed to pray first is to humbly remind ourselves that we can do nothing without the Lord. It's only Him who can move in hearts and minds and in lives. But the second trap, and I think this is a more subtle trap, when we have prayed, sometimes the temptation could be think, well, our job is done. I've got no more to do. I've just left it in the Lord's hands. Now, at one level, that seems like a, a very spiritual thing to do. Sometimes what people will say to me, when there's something in their life that, that clearly needs done, and they've already prayed for that, you know, oh, I just need to pray about it some more. You're just putting it off. That's all you're doing. It seems super spiritual on the surface. But actually God is calling you to go, to act. Think of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He prayed. He spent time in prayer. All throughout the Gospels we see that. Is that all he did? No, it's not. What did he do? He acted. He prayed. He prayed about who was going to be his disciples. And then he acted. That's what he does. Does. 
we too need to follow Jesus' example. Because Jesus' command is to go and make disciples. And so I say to you this morning, are we living out the calling that Jesus has placed on our lives? Are we doing what Jesus has called us to do? Now, as you sit here this morning, you might be thinking, well, you know, that's a really tricky, hard thing that Jesus is calling me to do. But remember the promise. What's the promise? Surely I will be with you always until the very end of the age. So it's not as if Jesus is going to say, I'll be with you for a wee while. And then I'll leave you to it. That's not how it works. Jesus says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. So let's not be fearful because he's promised to be with us to live out that calling to go and make disciples. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize today's uh, message is a challenging message because sometimes we are daunted by going to speak to others about the gospel, to speak to others about the great good news of Jesus. Perhaps we can be uh, scared that people will laugh at us or people just won't understand what we're on about. But Father, after we've prayed, we also see that you call us to act and to live out that command to go and make disciples. We thank you that the 11 disciples did exactly that. That empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they declared the good news about Jesus in word and in action. And Heavenly Father, we pray that following their example and holding on to the promise of Jesus that he will be with us, holding on to the promise that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us. And during this month of invitation, that we wouldn't be daunted or scared. But Lord God, we would want to speak to people about the great good news about Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we ask you would speak to us through your word this day we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And for his sake. Amen.